Yeah. Great. Awesome. So I wanted to welcome all the students here. Um, I think I spoke with most of the alumni yesterday or was in the chat um, yesterday. Um, you didn't get to see my face, but <laughs> I told you you'd see me later. Um, for all the students that joined us today, um, really so excited to see your faces or your names out here. Um, thanks so much for joining us. The, um, we've had a brief um, introduction with ourselves and our alumni yesterday um, in this morning and um, everybody's ready to go and ready to, to have a great conversation with you about college, about careers, about um, your interests, etc. So um, we're really excited to get started. I'll start off with myself. Um, my name is Kathleen Cohane. Um, some of you have gotten emails from me. Um, I work with Dr. Lizotte um, and another woman, Michelle Biscotti. Uh, we're both coordinators of development and volunteer activities. And in sh um, short terms, that means that we help raise money. Um, and then we also help find volunteers for the teachers um, in the district. And we've been um, trying to find opportunities to get our alumni involved for the last um, couple of years. And this has been one of the best opportunities we can offer. Um, so a little silver lining to everybody being stuck at home um, is that we get to offer you uh, a different learning experience. Um, so really hoping that we can have a back and forth between the alumni and, and the students. So um, even if you don't show your face, feel free to, to, to use the chat feature or to, to speak. Um, and uh, use a thumbs up, thumbs down, um, et cetera. So um, if we wanna start off with, let's see, Holly, do you wanna introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so my name's Holly Willette. I graduated from uh, Shrewsbury High School in 2011. Um, I taught for four years at Littleton High School, which is just up 495 from Shrewsbury. Um, and then I um, got my teaching license in Connecticut and I moved to Connecticut where I now teach um, health and physical education in West Hartford. Um, yeah. <laughs> so today you're, we're going to be talking about, I didn't mention it, but um, in case people are, are attending multiple uh, Zoom meetings, today's meeting is about teaching. And um, we have to hear from the alumni and their experience um, on how they got involved in teaching, whether or not that was their direct path, um, and then some advice to you um, who all might be interested in a teaching career later on. Okay, next is um, Juliana. Do you wanna introduce yourself? Yeah, um, I'm Juliana Murray. I graduated from Shrewsbury High School in 2015. Um, and then I went to UMass Amherst. Um, and then I graduated from there in 2019. And then now I work at Shrewsbury High School as a child specific aide. Um, and I'm hoping to become a health teacher. Excellent. Aria, did I say that right? Yes. My name is Aria. <laughs> um, so I graduated in 2012 and then I also went to UMass Amherst, um, but I was only there for three years and then I studied abroad and then I graduated early and I decided to keep traveling. So I taught English in Sichuan province in China and then I taught for a year in South Korea and then I came home for a bit and tried to find a job and it didn't work. So I went back abroad and I taught in Shanghai for a year. And I got home last summer and um, I got a job at Abby Kelly in Worcester as like the instructional aide for all of first grade. And I'm starting the Clark program um, in May, just a month from now to get a master's in teaching and get an elementary license to hopefully teach first grade. Can you talk a little bit about that Clark program? Because I've heard a number of teachers in, um, in Shrewsbury are, are doing that. 
Yeah, so it's a one-year program. If you're a Clark undergrad student, the master's programs are free, which is amazing, um, but I'm not. <laughs> so um, I will have to pay, but it's just one year, which is awesome. It's a master's and you get licensed. So you start off teaching at a higher step than you normally would. Um, if you don't know about like teachers have different pay scales. Um, and yeah, it's one year, but it's really intense because you're co-teaching in a classroom in a high need Worcester school. And then um, it's, there's also grad school classes in the evenings. And um, in the summer, I think there's three classes. And then in the fall, there's like five. And then in the spring, there's four. So there's a lot of classwork. It's a really intense schedule, but it's, it's nice to just get it all done in one year because a lot of programs take a lot longer. Great, that's awesome. Were there some other schools that you looked at um, in the graduate program besides Clark? Um, so I, for schools, not specifically, because a lot of schools, the only way to get a teaching degree is to do like the four years of undergrad, but I wasn't gonna go back to school for four years again. Um, I know there's a lot of online ways to get a teaching license, but I didn't want to do it online because I really wanted something in person to really get like real world teaching skills. Um, but I was previously in a program in Boston called the Match Program, which is similar where it's um, one year you teach in a school and take classes in the evenings. Um, but I decided to leave that program because I was commuting and it just got to be too much. So then I found this in Worcester instead. Excellent, thank you. And Holly, did you have something that you'd like to add? Um, I'm looking and waiting. Oh, here I see. Oh, yeah. Jane, thanks. Um, I don't see any questions from the students, but she just sent a message out that says, feel free to write some of your questions. Um, I'll just keep asking questions as we go along. Um, you know, REI had heard about the, that program, the master's program, and I think that's really good for, for students to hear, um, you know, your path towards college and your, and your teaching degree. And I think that's really fascinating um, about your teaching abroad too. So maybe we'll come back to that later on. Um, but I'd like to, to hear from Juliana and, and Holly. Question from the students. Yeah, so I actually have a kind of a funny, weird story about how I kind of wanted to get into education. And I, I guess I should share that. Um, so when I was in high school, um, you know, everyone asks you the question of like, oh, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And, and I always had like education in the back of my mind, because I've always thought I wanted to do it. Um, and so, and then, I don't know, at some point, my plans changed. And then, I don't know, I kind of have like this weird up and down. So um, my top school was always to go to UMass Amherst. And I was like, yeah, I just, that's where I want to go. That's where my some, uh, some of my siblings went. Um, I really just didn't have any other desire to go to any other school but that one. Um, so when I applied, I applied to UMass Amherst and Worcester State. And I kind of applied to Worcester State as like a safety school, just like whatever. Um, so when everyone was getting their acceptance letters, I got um, declined. They didn't, I didn't get in the first time around and I was absolutely crushed and heartbroken. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just go to Worcester State. Um, so I went to Worcester State for one semester and I was an education major there. And 
when I was there, I was early childhood ed because I always thought that I wanted to, to work with little kids um, just because I babysit and little kids and I'm always hanging out with little kids. So that's what I thought I wanted to do. Um, and at this point, when I was at Worcester State, I was there for less than a month and I hated it. I was like, you know what? <laughs> great program, great education program. I just felt like I didn't fit in in the community there. It just, it wasn't the right school for me. Um, so I was confused and didn't really know what to do because I still thought I wanted to do education, but I wasn't liking where I was. So that kind of made me not like education anymore. Um, so I applied to UMass Amherst uh, again, and I actually did get in the second time around. So in December, I left Worcester State and I became a sociology major at UMass Amherst. Um, and I hated that. <laughs> so I just did one semester of that. And then um, I just didn't know what I wanted to do, to be honest with you guys. I literally did not know what major I wanted to pick. And one of my, uh, my brother's uh, now wife was like, why don't you just do public health? And I was like, what is that? <laughs> I was like, what is public health? Um, so I looked into it and I found out what it was. It's just basically the study of the public's health. Um, and I fell in love with it. I absolutely loved it so much. So I graduated with a public health degree, but then I was like job searching last spring and I hated all the jobs that I was like, didn't hate them. But every time I looked at something, I always just like, didn't fully want to do it. Um, so then in the back of my mind, I still wanted to do education. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I have a public health degree, but now I want to teach. So I just put the two together and was like, all right, health teacher, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, so I got the job at the high school and that was just kind of like my way into learning about um, what education at the high school level is really all about. Cause I didn't know anything about that until I started working there. Juliana, can you talk a little bit about what you do at the high school, um, both um, during the day and after school? Yeah, so um, my title is called a child-specific aide, and I work one-on-one -on -one with three students. <laughs> um, so they're three students who have IEPs. Um, they're, uh, they actually all have autism. Um, and I basically just follow them around all day and make sure that they get the support in the classroom that they need. Um, and yeah, that's basically, that's basically what I do. And then after school, I coach uh, cross country and I was supposed to coach track. Um, I was supposed to be the assistant coach for that. And obviously it's not gonna happen, which is so sad, but um, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Holly, would you like to, to tell us um, I, what I, first of all, I want to make a comment to Juliana. Um, I love hearing your story that it wasn't direct, you just knew exactly what you wanted to do after high school and you got right into the major that you really liked, that you took this path because the more we talk to alumni, the more people we're seeing are doing exactly the same thing. So I'd love for the, the students that are on the call today to recognize that um, Juliana is very happy in the job that she's doing now. She's very successful. 
and she took a variety of different paths in order to get there and that's okay and um, it's okay not to know exactly what you want to do it's also um, great to keep pursuing you wanted to go to UMass Amherst you kept pursuing that um, that um, and you didn't give up on your you know your passion you kept saying I you know I really it keeps coming back to being a teacher so um, and then you just took the opportunities as they came along and started recognizing that they were the things that lot of sense to you and over time um picked something that you're really happy with today so that's really fantastic and, and you know jane i love hearing those stories because it makes us that you know it's okay not to know where you're going and it's okay to make changes along the way and not to feel stress or anxiety about making the right choice right exactly exactly i changed my major what was it a total of three times and even those three times I still wasn't even sure like I'm still not a hundred percent sure but I know that it's it's definitely a passion of mine that I would like to pursue and see through oh okay um we had a question um we had asked what everybody's majors were in college so um Holly if you want to start off and say what your majors were and then we'll yeah, get time so to talk um, I studied, uh, my major's a little bit funny, um, but I studied uh, movement and sports studies. That was technically the name of my major in college. Um, but what that kind of boils down into is I was an education major with a concentration in physical education and health education. Um, so I had my major in physical education and I minored in health education. Um, and I'm dual certified in both um, in Connecticut. In Massachusetts, I only have a um, teaching uh, certificate in physical education. I never went and got the one in health because um, in Massachusetts, licensing is um, interesting in both states. Um, I just went through that in August. I'm sure, uh, ladies, you're having fun with that right now. Um, but uh, we, um, in Massachusetts, you need to have, um, you can teach outside your subject area for, I think it's like, um, I don't remember how much it is, but it's like a class or two. Um, so you could teach phys ed and you could teach health. So I could teach phys ed primarily and then teach one class of health. Um, whereas in Connecticut, in order to do that, I needed both. Um, and I currently am finishing, I have two weeks left of my master's um, and I'm getting that in curriculum and instruction. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Is there a reason why you picked that for your for your masters? Is that so that you would have more strength as a teacher and you could go in a different direction if phys ed wasn't um, so, uh, you know phys ed jobs weren't available or so really um, that was so unfortunately I kind of felt handcuffed to get a master's um, so within five years of um, teaching in Massachusetts in order to get my professional license um, I needed to have a master's degree. Um, so I wasn't really ready to pick what I wanted to do next. Like, I definitely am thinking about like, maybe I'll go back to school. Um, I would like to, um, kind of be a, a guidance counselor. Maybe I haven't decided. <laughs> so it was kind of early for me to have to choose. Um, I have friends who just went into a five-year program, did their undergrad and master's right in a row. Um, and, uh, that's great. But, um, I wasn't sure that, you know, maybe I want to stay in the classroom the whole time. Um, I love being in the classroom, but maybe I want to do something else. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. 
Um, Aria, could you tell us what your majors were in school? I forget if you had mentioned them earlier. Oh, um, no, I didn't, because it's a whole weird story. Um, <laughs> but at UMass Amherst, you can make your own major. So that's what I did. I made my own major in um, population studies. And I was like really gung-ho for that. I was doing research with professors. I even TA'd a population studies course that I helped design. I thought that I was going to, um, like I was prepping to go into the Princeton demographic PhD program. Um, but turns out I hated doing research. So I had to sort of like give up on that dream because I just knew I was going to drop out of school if I tried to do a PhD. Um, I still like population studies, but I realized that I didn't want to be a researcher. Um, I wanted to get that PhD because I wanted to teach in a college, um, but I can't handle the research. So I, I gave that up. And um, that's when I decided to study abroad because I had no idea what I was doing with my life. So I studied abroad and I just finished up my credits and I graduated. And while I was abroad, I taught English at a monk school because I, I taught, um, I studied abroad in Thailand. So I signed up to do an internship through the study abroad program and they randomly placed me as an English teacher in a monk school. I didn't even ask for it. They just put me there and I really liked it. Like. So then um, when I graduated like from afar, I never went to graduation. I just like got the diploma mailed to me um, because I decided to keep on traveling. So I went to rural China after that and I taught English and I just like kept traveling and teaching English because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then finally, while I was in Shanghai last year, I realized that if, if I keep going abroad to teach, clearly I like teaching and maybe I should just put in the work to become a teacher in America. <laughs> I never, um, I didn't consider it before that because I think there's this, um, this myth that teachers are underpaid, but really it depends on your state. It depends on your district. It depends on what step level you are. It depends on your position. There are a lot of teachers that make a good salary and live a comfortable life. And I think, um, as like a child of immigrants, my family never got that message. They wanted me to go into something more stable. So I just never considered becoming a teacher. Uh, but finally, like last year, I realized like clearly I love doing this. I need to do this. I like faced my family. It was like this whole dramatic thing. I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. This is happening. You're going to let it happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, now I'm on track to be a teacher and I just, it's annoying. I have to keep reminding my family that like, I will go in with a master's degree. I will make enough money. I will be fine. So if you want to be a teacher, but you weren't considering it because you're worried about money, just remember you're in Massachusetts, like Massachusetts, California, New York state, and New Jersey are like the highest paid for teachers. So like, you'll be fine. <laughs> And I would only add that we're, we always need teachers. Um, so yeah. it's a job that is a, a secure one. Uh, it's certainly, um, I've found it to be incredibly rewarding. It's in so many ways. And it also gives you some flexibility to pursue your passion and passions and interests outside the classroom by like Ju Juliana spoke about working with the track teams and whether it's a club activity um, during the summer months, Kathleen and Cohen and Michelle Biscotti, for example, have a um, summer spark program that students in the high school can sign up to 
you know, do any number of things um, that the teacher is interested in teaching. So um, it's a job that is number one, fulfilling. But secondly, yes, you're right, um, Aria, it pays the bills and long term, there's great security there um, as far as retirement and pensions go. So good points. Can I mention something um, that Holly talked about? So Holly was talking about how um, the to get your teacher's license, it's different in every state. So um, I was actually supposed to take my MTELs, I think it was now two weeks ago, um, but obviously that's, that didn't happen. The, the Pearson, all the Pearson um, places are shut down because of the coronavirus. So that does delay me getting my license, um, which I was, I was pretty nervous and pretty scared about because my goal was to have all my license by next fall so I could start looking into finding teaching jobs. Um, but obviously that's not going to happen. So I guess I had extra study time. Um, so that was something that I was really nervous about because these tests, um, I don't know what they're like in other states, but I know for here you can take them as many times as you need to. For instance, the health, um, the health one, I failed it by 10 points and I was <laughs> so mad, but it, I can take it again. And I actually did sign up for prep courses um, through this program that, I actually will get a lot more like studying tools um, and all these things that you need to help prep you to take that test to get your license. So yeah, that's, that was like a kind of a process that I didn't know anything about until I got to Shrewsbury high school and talked to all these teachers that were just like, Oh, we need this program, that program. And that helped me so much. Cause I wouldn't have known about any of those resources that were available for um, to help you study for your Intel or whatever they call it in Connecticut. Yeah, those tests are um, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, luckily I, um, my license um, uh, was reciprocal. Is that the word? What's the word? Reciprocity. I had reciprocity in Connecticut because I had taught for so many years in Massachusetts. Um, so my license switched over, but I did have to take the health praxis, which is the test in Connecticut. In, I took it in May. Um, because they wouldn't interview you in Connecticut unless you had both um, certifications, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. But. So that's definitely my a dilemma that um, I wasn't expecting to face. But another thing, too, to know is that you don't have to be an education major to become a teacher. So I was a public health major, um, and with my knowledge of public health, I, and my passion for teaching and wanting to help others, um, I kind of, that's how I figured out that I just knew that I wanted to, to teach. Um, Juliana and Aria, did you guys have to do, or will you do student teaching? I know Aria, you've been like teaching abroad and Juliana, you've been at um, SHS. So you like essentially have been, but mm -hmm. you have to do student teaching hours. Um, yeah, so I was actually talking, so there's uh, three health teachers at Shrewsbury High School right now, and all of them gave me the opportunity that if I ever wanted to do student teaching, um, they'll each give me time to do it. So I know I was supposed to do some teaching hours with one of the health teachers before all of this started. I, so I'm actually teaching, um, I wanted to teach a summer spark program um, that Miss Cohane 
put together. I don't know if it's going to happen now because of the coronavirus, but um, I created all of my, my content for that program. And I was hoping to, to practice that in the health classrooms at SHS and the health teachers were going to mark those hours as like student teaching. So that was, I got lucky that way. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so for me, there is a lot of student teaching included in my Clark program. Um, but one thing for um, the students to know that are watching this is that there are so many ways to become a teacher, but it's very complicated and confusing because when you go on the website, they list all these ways, but they don't tell you exactly how to get those opportunities or how to like accomplish them. So like one way you can get an elementary teaching license is by teaching in an elementary classroom but people won't let you teach unless you have a license. So it's very confusing. So <laughs> I think to get like the traditional, I've, well, I only looked at elementary license, um, but one of the ways is to get a certain number of teaching hours. But I think the most, the most common way to get an elementary teaching license is to do a teacher preparation program. Most of those are out of four-year colleges. So if you, if you go through college doing something else and then you decide you want to be a teacher, you have to find one of those programs. And I think student teaching is always a part of those programs. Um, going off of that, for, so I know for me, like I, my heart was set on like preschool and kindergartners. And I was like, you know what? That's exactly what I wanted to do. And then um, I got in, uh, when I was at Worcester State, I got a job at um, a preschool and it was so hard. I was like, wow, babysitting one kid is way different than taking care of six. So that's when I realized, I was like, I don't, I don't think I can handle this long term. So then I started doing volunteering um, at the middle schools here in Shrewsbury I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like middle schoolers <laughs> either. Like, I don't, I don't think that's the age group that's appropriate for me. Um, and then when I got to the high school, I was like, wow, I absolutely love this. So sometimes you think that you want to teach a certain grade level. And then the second you start your, I would just recommend that you guys volunteer as much as you possibly can in whatever school system, um, really get to know little kids uh, in case that you want to do that. Like try to find ways to find internships or find volunteer um, work in every age group, because what you think you might want to do could be something that you never even thought about. Like you could like, I want to do little kids and now I'm working with 17 year olds that I never thought I would do. <laughs> yeah. My experience this might sound like a really, oh, sorry. <laughs> I just, oh, go ahead, you can finish up. I just have a silly question about teaching. Oh no, I'm just go gonna ahead. say that my experience was the opposite. I thought I wanted to work with high schoolers and <laughs> do more of like the nitty gritty, like in-depth work. But then when I was in South Korea, I taught at a high school and I hated it. Oh my God. <laughs> there was just so much like back sass, like those kids are too smart, you know? <laughs> yeah. but if you teach little kids, you can, it's like so much easier to manage because it's like, oh, if everyone does the work, I'll give you a sticker and then the work gets done, you know? So I, I realized after teaching all the ages, like that's when I found out which age I like to teach. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, the question that I have for you is, do you have to pick what you want to teach in order to become a teacher or can you, uh, I know Holly, you had said that you weren't quite sure what direction to go in, but you initially started off with like a, a phys ed and a movement degree. 
Um, so just wondering if, you know, if, if students know that they want, would like to teach, but don't really know, like if it, if it's a subject, you know, cause in high school, you generally teach one type of class or, or two at the most, um, at the elementary level, you kind of have your, it's, it's a different, um, level of teaching and you have to know all these subjects, et cetera. So, um, if you know that you, you like teaching and you like, um, um, babysitting kids, as you said, it, do you have to pick? A topic that you want to teach or can you just go into teaching? My best friend works at uh, Coolidge actually and she thought she's a I want to say she's first grade um, she thought she wanted to be a high school math teacher so she went along got all her MTELs in in math took all these tests like crazy things like crazy um, and she went and then decided she was like I want to teach elementary school and she got um, her certification in elementary ed um, she has taught first grade for the last five years. So um, I don't think you, you need to. I think if you're going to be very specific about a subject, then, um, then maybe you want to look into it a little bit more. Um, but I think if you have interests and you follow them, um, like I knew I wanted to do one of two things. I wanted to be a phys ed teacher or I wanted to be an athletic trainer. Turns out I did not like the athletic training. I did not like learning about all the anatomy and stuff. I didn't want to do it. Um, so I was like, okay, like I'm on the on the same path. Like, um, so it was something I was interested in. Um, and so like, I always believe to kind of follow your passion in a sense. Um, and this was mine. Uh, and it turns out that I could follow my passion and then I could teach it to others. So, um, going off of that, um, just know that like whatever you pick for your career, you don't have to do it for the rest of your life. So um, for instance, like if you are like, yeah, I really like English and history. And then you, you're an English teacher for a while. And then, well, you can take another test and then you can go become a history teacher. There's nothing is forever. And I think that's something important to know that you don't have to just stick to one thing. Um, I know for me, so I cool was having a dilemma. Career. What? What was that? That's what's cool about a teaching career is that you, know, you can switch subjects if you wanted to. It kind of makes it flexible. Correct. Yeah. Right? Just knowing that you can switch at any time, it, that is a possibility. You don't just have to teach one subject for life. Um, I know for me that I, when it came to thinking of like, I know I want to be a teacher, but what subject do I, do I choose? Because I was never really good at math. Um, a science, I liked it, but I wasn't great at it. Didn't really love history and English. So I was just like, wow, I, this is tricky. Cause I feel like I'm very confined to those four subjects. But when you open up like a school as a whole, you're like, Oh wait, there's music teachers and there's health teachers and gym teachers. So I definitely see myself pursuing a health teacher career. And then maybe somewhere down the line, because I love um, athletics and stuff, I'll probably become a gym teacher at some point too, maybe. Um, but yeah, yeah, just nothing is forever <laughs> if you don't want it to be. Um, I'm looking at, I think your name's Abby, I'm looking at your question in the chat. Um, I think you asked, there was two that were in here, um, but uh, where'd it go? So in terms of the process of getting a teaching job, did we talk about that? Kind of did, but um, essentially uh, there's, there's a bunch of like sources out there where you can look for, I know like Massachusetts uses school spring um, and you essentially, um, you can, it's like, it's like a search engine for teachers to find jobs. Um, you can filter through and um, 
be like, okay, I'm looking for a phys ed job. Um, say I'm certified K to 12. Like I could look for um, any jobs in a high school, middle school, elementary school, um, and then go from there. Um, and then my resume's in there, everything's in there, my references are in there, um, and I can essentially hit apply for this job, and it just sends it out to that school. And then I can go through and change things as needed for each school, but um, it gets pretty easy like that. Um, and then, you know, if you're a person who's selected um, to interview for that job, you go into, typically it's an interview with your first interviews at a round table with um, sometimes it's an assistant principal, sometimes it's a principal, sometimes it's um, usually it's a teacher in that department or a couple of teachers in that department. Um, the most recent, because I just uh, started a new job this year, um, the most recent interview I had, um, I had with my first interview was with the department supervisor. It was with two teachers in my department. Um, and the assistant principal at the, in one of the buildings that I was going to be in. Um, and then you interview with them. And then hopefully if you get picked, um, which obviously I did, cause I have this job now, um, I taught a demo lesson, um, which essentially you go into someone's classroom, they give you a topic to teach and you go in and teach it. And that's probably one of the most nerve wracking experiences <laughs> of my whole teaching career. Nothing gets gets to me like that does. Um, but, uh, and then after that, um, you go in and sometimes you have, you either meet with the superintendent or you meet with someone in HR and that's like where, who offers you the job. Um, so that's kind of, there's kind of like a long process for these things, but I think these are similar, um, across districts. I've, um, I've interviewed in Shrewsbury before and it was, it was very similar, um, in that sense. Um, so I've been on committees too that interview teachers. So I'm on the other side of the table. So being um, a parent representative um, for somebody that's um, going to be hired in Shrewsbury and Juliana probably knows this Shrewsbury is very, um, is, is nerve wracking. Like there's a lot of people in the room that you're interviewing with. Yeah. So um, while you were mentioning three or four people, we, I've seen up to 10, 10 to 12 people in the room. Uh, interviewing and it really depends on how big your department is and how many people you'll be working with and what what the job is that you're interviewing for but it is the same as you said you know you're brought in you meet with somebody initially as long as you make that first um first pass then you you go into that room with 10 or 12 people right juliana yeah. um and yeah and um they ask you uh one or two questions each and then they they do the demos and i've seen the demos as well and um, yeah, so it's, um, you really have to want it. <laughs> you really have to want to teach, right? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes they even bring, um, I think it's like they can do a few rounds too. They'll bring right. in mm -hmm. students and they'll have a student panel. So you're going to teach in front of the students that you could potentially teach in the future. And, and those students are grading you, which is weird to think, but right. they do do the demo, that. The demo, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, another kind of interesting, I don't know if her, questions more about like I don't know where it went but um more about how you find the jobs another thing too is getting your foot in the door so volunteering having your face be shown so people know that like oh you have been working or you have been like volunteering in this classroom often or your student teaching is another good way because sometimes um I've heard stories of like oh I did my student teaching at the school and they've hired me to do full-time teaching 
So that's another way too, is really use your networking skills to um, get involved in different school systems. So people see your face and know that you're actively trying to um, pursue a career in this because they see that and they're like, oh wow, she's working really hard. Um, we want to hire her. So that's another good way to, to find jobs. And when you're already, so I'm just an aide um, right now, but I am, I am in the school system. And so I get all the emails of when they're looking for, for new teachers. And that's pretty cool because I see it the second it, the email goes out. I'm like, Oh, I, I need to take that job. There's a, there's a spot open for a health teacher. I'm going to take it right now. So it's another good ways to get your foot in the door and make sure that your name is known. Um, but one Ari, thing I, yeah, yeah, I wanted to ask you, go ahead. <laughs> well, no, so I'm not sure if the question was about getting a teaching job after you're certified or before, because oh. when she posted that question, it was when we were talking about like experiencing students at every like grade level. Um, so I just want to say like, if you want to get your, of like just experiencing the different ages, um, there are a lot of different ways to do that. Like my job, I didn't need a, like, like a teaching license or any sort of certification for. I just needed some teaching experience. Um, and you can start getting that experience when you're in high school. I'm not sure if SHS still has this program, but I was a mentor. There was like one class, classroom you could go to during your free period. And anybody could come in with questions. I did that. I did... Um, uh, in college, I tutored athletes and I had another tutoring job and I had a summer job teaching English and there are a lot of ways to find like part-time jobs or volunteering opportunities just to get teaching experience because just showing that you have some experience in front of students makes the school feel more comfortable in hiring you. They just want to see that you are able to just stand up in front of kids and teach because just doing that does take a lot of bravery and confidence sometimes. <laughs> um, I also did ACE at Shrewsbury High School. I don't know if they still do. Oh, oh. right, right, yeah. yeah. They, they still have the ACE program. Oh, Jane's oh, back. They <laughs> yeah, they still have the ACE program and then they started Capstone this year, which was, um, I forgot what it was formally known as. They take the 10 students and they each get to do a project for, for oh, a yeah. and then, um, beginning of their senior year. So they, they still do that. And unfortunately they were able to finish that before, um, before this hit. But Aria, I had a question uh, that some other people might also have, and that's you studied abroad. So you got teaching jobs abroad. So how, did, how were you able to do that from here? Um, so it's surprisingly easy. The thing is there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of countries that are just trying to learn English. Um, so as long as you're a native English speaker and you have a bachelor's degree in anything, you can pretty much apply to like 99% of jobs abroad because um, they just want someone who can speak English. So it's pretty easy to get those jobs, but um, you have to remember that when you come back to America, nobody will recognize your work. Like they don't care that you taught English abroad. Mm -hmm. And I think that's rightfully so because while I was abroad, there were a lot of people who were teaching English abroad just to pay for their own travel. They didn't care about teaching. They didn't care about the students. Mm -hmm. So that's why employers in America don't, they don't consider that as real teaching experience because they don't know, they don't see like your effort and your enthusiasm always. Um, but just getting the jobs are pretty easy. Um, so the, the job, the first job, in China was, um, I found it on Dave's ESL Cafe, 
it's just like a blog with lots of um, job listings for international English teaching jobs. The year in South Korea was actually a Fulbright grant, the Fulbright ETA grant, um, where like the government basically pays for you to go to another country and teach English. And it's part of like an exchange, like a cultural exchange. And I had to live with a homestay, which was rough. So I really don't suggest that. Um, <laughs> don't do it. Um, and then the job in Shanghai, I got through a recruiter because after you teach abroad a couple times, um, people just like want to keep you abroad because there is such a high demand for teachers abroad. Um, so I got in contact with a recruiter. I told her I wanted to go to Shanghai because I was tired of going to rural places in the middle of nowhere where I was bored. So um, she found me a job in Shanghai and I just like did the paperwork and went. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I just want to quickly oh, add something. So I, I too studied abroad my, uh, my junior year of college and I studied abroad in Spain. And while I was there, um, we had to complete, uh, I think it's like 18 hours of community service. And it was so easy. Cause I was like, Oh, I'll just teach English somewhere. Um, because she's right. If you're a native English speaker, they see you and they're like, Oh, we got to get you in a school. So I literally just said, Hey, I speak English. Um, I'm happy to to help out. So I volunteered at a at a, an after school program in Spain, and that's how I got all my my volunteer hours. It was very very easy to do. That's interesting. That's a, I wouldn't have thought of using that as an opportunity to get your volunteer hours and learn how to teach at the same time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you're already abroad. You kind of do three yeah. things at the same time. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. and you save up tons of money. Tons yeah, because <laughs> the thing is, if, specifically South Korea and China, they pay the most relative to their cost of living. So, like the average person teaching abroad for one year in China or South Korea can save up ten thousand dollars. So, a lot of the people I met while I was abroad, they were there specifically just to pay off student loans. So, it's it's a good option. Um, there's a no, there was another question from Carolyn that said, do you still have thoughts about the certain path you have chosen or are you always certain that you have chosen the right career path? Because and I think that relates back to what we were talking about, how um, all three of you kind of, you know, changed a little bit or veered a lot from your original um, topic that you uh, went to college for. So I'd um, like to hear what, what you guys think. Um, so... I think, at least for me, um, some days you definitely, when you work with high schoolers, um, you definitely can have a bad day. Um, I'll tell you that right now. Um, and so, like, there are days where I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? But um, I, I come back to it and I'm like, okay, I do really love being with the kids. Sometimes um, something might ruin that for me, but um, when I come back to it, I still love it. Uh, can, will I do this forever? I don't know yet. Um, like I was just, I just replied to Jane and said, I, I don't know. I, I love teaching, but I might want to become a guidance counselor. Um, administrations crossed my mind too. Um, that could be something I do next. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much I want to work so closely with parents yet, but, um, <laughs> it's definitely something that, that might be next. Uh, so, um, I have second thoughts occasionally, but um, I know that where I am now is a good place and I can grow from here. So like, I think that's the biggest thing about where I am at 
is that I know that there's still growth and I know if I want to make a change, um, it's not hard. It's not really that hard for me to do. I think that's a good point, Holly, just keeping your options open um, and knowing that, you know, life is full of changes. And I think what's most important is that we follow those interests of ours, um, you know, as best we can and um, know that you're never stuck um, or you shouldn't feel stuck in one place because there are just so many different opportunities out there waiting for us to engage in. Good point. Yeah, me and uh, my two closest friends from SHS, all of us went to college for one thing and are now getting retrained and doing things that are completely different. That happens to a lot of people. And I think you just have to go with the flow and you have to be okay with that. And I think it's much better to have that mentality to be able to change. Because I have some friends who like got a major in something and they feel like they're stuck working in that field even though they don't enjoy it because they're too scared to like go back to school, they're too scared to change. So I'd say just like be open to everything and just like let let things happen. I, I can, um, so I have a really big family. I have a lot of siblings and um, there's six of us and one of them's still in college so she doesn't really count. But um, the five of us, except for one, we all are doing a different career than what we went to college for. So put that in perspective that your major doesn't necessarily define the job that you are going to get uh, or the career that you are going to pursue. No, that's Excellent good. points. What matters yeah, most is that you work hard <laughs> and um, as, as all of you have stated so well, uh, you, you do keep your options open and you know that um, you know, you're never stuck or, or because, that, because the world has so much to offer um, and there are many different avenues to take. Going to college, I think, is a great first step in that we learn um, we, we learn a lot about independence and just how to structure time and time management. We make mistakes along the way and all of those experiences serve us well, ultimately. Um, but just having that education is, is very important. But you're right, knowing that uh, when you graduate from college, um, you, you can do a whole host of things, including continue on um, in a, another field as um, you've all said regarding majors and whatnot. I also just want to say that I think, um, I know I had this idea in, in high school and college and a lot of kids have the idea that like that there is a perfect job for you somewhere out there. But I think it's important to remember that every job has pros and cons. Like Holly said, there are some days where even being a teacher, it, it just sucks. It really does. <laughs> Um, but you have to remember, like, you have to know which cons you are okay with and which ones you can handle, you know? Um, but I think definitely just remembering that, that, like, no job is going to be perfect. There's always going to be challenges in every job, but you need to really figure out which, which pros are the most important to you, like, which, pro, like, which pros of the job hit your priorities and which cons are ones that you can overcome. Mm -hmm. And teaching, you 
do a lot of teaching along the way while you're getting your degree. So you're having a lot of opportunities of interacting with different age levels of students, right? Mm -hmm. So in different types of schools. So you really get a good sense if that's the direction you want to go in, right? Mm -hmm. I yeah. think, oh, wait, sorry, go Holly. Oh, um, I was going to say like, um, I did a student teaching at all levels. So I worked in a preschool for a little while. I worked in an elementary school. I worked in a middle school and I worked in a high school and I thought I wanted to do elementary school too. When I first started, I was like, oh, I love this. It's great. They love me um, all the time. But uh, when it came down to it, the the amount of, not to say preparation isn't everything, but preparation is everything. And elementary school requires a lot, mm -hmm. a lot, a lot. And uh, I, at getting out of college, I knew I was not ready for that. Like maybe down the road, like maybe that's my career change down the road as I decide to switch from high school to elementary school. But um, uh, yeah, so I think like knowing at all levels too, that's another, definitely another path. Good point. Um, something too that I want to mention is that um, we are very lucky to like Shrewsbury High School is one of the best. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, well, Shrewsbury Public Schools in general, but it's something to know that not all schools are like Shrewsbury schools. So, so when you graduate college or when you leave, some some of you might leave Massachusetts that, and you might get into an education system in another state that is very different and you're gonna and you're probably you might question that being like oh wait this is not how my schools were like why is the school so different and I think some sometimes we live in this bubble and we think that oh all schools are just like Shrewsbury public schools which is not true even when I was doing um my volunteer work and working in Worcester which is literally 15 minutes down the road it was like I was in a whole new world I was teaching students who education wasn't really their main focus. It was just kind of like, when's my next meal coming? Or I can't go home. I'm scared. So it's, it sometimes not all schools are what you think they're going to be like when you go to teach in them. Mm -hmm. And that's something very important to know as a, as a teacher. Yeah, I teach in Worcester and it's definitely a completely different dynamic. Um, especially like a huge part of the job, which I didn't realize before, but a huge part of the job is communicating with parents. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're dealing, when you're in like a high need community, you're dealing with parents that are sometimes single parents or parents who have multiple jobs and they just don't have the time to sit down with their kids and like watch them do their homework. So then the kids never do their homework. Mm -hmm. And these are things that you have to be aware of when you go into teaching, you have to know yourself and know what you want to do and what you're capable of doing. So I like specifically want to teach in a high need you know, like urban environment. That's what I, that's what I like to do, but you have to be aware of what you like, what your limits are. Um, I do, this also kind of connects to TFA, which some of the SHS students might be hearing about because I think TFA starts, starts to like try to recruit, like right when you get into college. Um, so when they go into college and they're thinking about teaching, they're probably going to hear about teach for America. And that is like that is mostly like high school age kids and it's in like very very high need neighborhoods i have um i have a friend who teaches with teach for america in kentucky and every single teacher in the school is from teach for america because the pay is so low there that no one wants to be a teacher so the school is run by like 
kids fresh out of college that are basically volunteering. Mm -hmm. So, oh, Dr. Sawyer taught Teach for America. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a lot of people do it. Um, some people that like for that, that really like lights their fire and gets them into teaching. Mm -hmm. But for some people, it like destroys that fire. So again, like know your limits, know what you can handle, you know, if you know that you maybe don't want to be dropped in the middle of nowhere in a rural community with no grocery store teaching for two years, then like, don't do it. You know, mm -hmm. like I almost did teach for America, but I knew being rural again, teaching alone, like it's, you have to know yourself. <laughs> uh, teach for America is also a great opportunity for people who don't want to go to college right away. Um, I had a few friends who college just they didn't want to do it right after high school. They were just, they were, they just, it wasn't for them right after. So they did teach for America for um, a few years and then they just did a community college afterwards and they're perfectly fine. Um, so that's another important thing to know. So, and also yeah. knowing your audience is, is a good, when you know your audience before you enter in that, that school zone, then you know what to expect a little bit more. Yeah, AmeriCorps is another organization that also does like volunteer teaching that you can do without a college degree. So yeah, if there is anybody who wants to do teaching but is not sure, then you can try AmeriCorps, Teach for America to just try it out. Those are good things. Do you, do you guys have, we were, um, we had talked about maybe providing a list of, I love, I'm keeping track of what you're saying, like Teach for America, that the kids, um, the students on call today could go back and look through. Um, AmeriCorps, that's A-M-E-R-I-C-O-R-P-S, right? Mm -hmm. AmeriCorps. Um, yeah. Any other sites, um, places that you find that you, you, when you were trying to figure out your, either your college degree or um, if you wanted to teach, like where, I love the idea of like volunteering, student teaching, um, tutoring in the schools. So it's all really good stuff. We'll, we can send those no notes out as well, but anything else that you thought was, was helpful um, in, um, I don't know, you discovering your passion for teaching? I think, um, the ACE program, really, that was for me, um, with, I think Lee Dimitopoulos was doing it at the time. I don't know who leads it now. Um, but that was like the best opportunity that I had in high school. Um, I went and spent my last like month of high school at the middle school, um, teaching with, uh, coach Keenan and coach LaRose. Shout out to them. Oh, <laughs> you guys, I was going to say, maybe you guys might have been there, but um, uh, yes, that was like one of the best experiences I've had. And that was like the reason why I went from uh, being like wanting to do athletic training, thinking I wanted to do it to being like, okay, I'm doing phys ed. Like, I like this. I love this. This is what I want to do. Um, so that was huge for me. Um, and I think a lot of people didn't really take that opportunity when I was in high school. Um, yeah. Very few. So, um, this was a good thing for me. Um, so more Anybody program ideas. Know? The program I did in Boston was called Match M A T C H, and that's one you don't need. That's one that's for people that maybe like majored in something else, but then decide that they want to teach in a like high need, high poverty environment. So the match schools are in Boston and they train their own teachers and then you end up getting hired by their school or one of their partner schools. And, um, and yeah, you can teach in Boston and help out those people. There's another program in Western Mass called Teach Western Mass. 
but I think that one is for people that already have a license, but they basically um, are trying to attract more teachers out to Western Mass because, you know, most of the people in Massachusetts are concentrated like around Boston and Worcester, but they're trying to bring more teachers out there. And I think they do have like some sort of mentorship program or something where they like, they really try to help you like settle in and like stay there. Um, that's all I can think of right now. <laughs> I, but what everyone else has said, I can't think of anything else besides those ones. All right, great. Um, any last minute thoughts? Cause we have about three minutes left and um, I've been so impressed that the same number of participants that started with us are still on. <laughs> so um, it's wonderful. Thank you everybody for continuing to join. So um, Jane, do you, you no, have anything um, you wanted? We just, we're going to send a little um, something out to the students and the panelists. Um, regarding your experience today, but I want to <clears throat> just say thank you to um, Aria, Juliana, and Holly for your words of wisdom. They, they're invaluable. And um, students do let us know, again, through um, the poll or survey that we send, or you can email um, Mrs. Cohane or me directly uh, and give us some ideas as to what was helpful and what you would like to learn more about but thank you so much, all of you. Um, real quick, Jane, this is, or Jane and Miss Cohane, this is awesome. Like, I wish that I had this experience when I was in high school. I think this is such a phenomenal thing that you guys are doing. And I liked how you made it work um, due to the circumstance that we're in right now with uh, COVID-19. I think it's awesome that you guys pulled the resources together to do a Zoom meeting because this couldn't happen in person. So. Thank you for you, like to you guys who put all this hard work into it. This is amazing. And um, another thing too, if, if any students on here have any questions that they were kind of like scared or afraid to ask, um, they can have my email address if they want it um, and feel free to email me any questions. I'm happy to, to answer them. Great. Juliana, would that be your Shrewsbury address if I yep. put it here in the chat? Yep, yep. And you're Jay Murray. Yep, Jay Murray. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today. This was our first one. I think it went really well. Um, technically, didn't have any glitches and it was great conversation. Loved how um, the alumni started chatting back and forth amongst each other. Love how um, the students uh, asked questions. I hope students that you'll join more of our conversations this week. We have uh, 10 more. Um, coming and just check out the schedule. Um, we have something on on um, real estate uh, in the next hour. So um, thanks so much, everybody, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Have a great day and a great thanks. week. Thanks, Kathleen. Bye, everyone. Yes, thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye.